All right. Thanks for joining us today for our next episode of North Carolina Band uh, Demystified. I'm here today with Chris Ferguson, who's a phenomenal middle school band director in our state and also a very uh, up-and-coming composer uh, for middle oh. school band music as well. Uh, so uh, be sure you check him out on the Pepper website. So, Chris, welcome to our episode today. I want you to uh, introduce yourself, tell us about yourself, your background, uh, anything you'd like to, to share with our listeners today, uh, especially about your teaching experience and years in and all that kind of, kind of cool stuff. All right. Well, wow. Thanks for the introduction. Um, so about myself, I've been teaching for 22 years. I've taught uh, middle school through high school. And the past 14 years, I've taught sixth grade beginning band at Braxton Craven in uh, Trinity. Uh, and I absolutely love it. I love my job. I'm a graduate of Appalachia State University. I got my master's from School of the Arts, a National Board Certified Teacher. And uh, my wife's also a middle school band director. And we have two sons, Thomas, who's a horn player, and James, who is a trombone player in sixth grade. So that's a little bit about me. So you got quite the musical family, it sounds like. It never stops, man. It's, this isn't a job that we leave at the door. I mean, it's, you know, Saturday morning, we're talking band stuff. I mean, we, it's, it's more than a job for us. That, I couldn't think of anything better, to be honest. That's, that's the way it should be. That's one of the yeah, coolest man. things ever, I think. You said you taught a sixth grade beginning band. Not right. seventh grade, not eighth grade, just sixth grade beginning band? Sixth grade beginning band. Um, when I taught in um, – I taught private school for a couple years and there we actually had beginning band in fifth grade and we started that and it was, uh, and I, I taught high school for a number of years and then I went to, uh, to that job and I started teaching fifth grade beginning band. And I remember the very first day I thought, okay, you know, I, cause I, I taught high school before. Sure. And so, you know, I'm teaching beginners, hot cross buns. I mean, come on, this is easy. And I so vividly remember the very first day I said, all right, kids, I had a class. The class was huge. The band director before me was amazing. And we had like 60, 80 woodwind players in a class. And they all had their instruments the very first day. And I said, all right, kids. And, and my wife right beforehand said, you want me to go over some basics on how to start a beginner? And, and I said, no, honey, no, I, I, I taught high school. So I know how to do this. I, I got this. I know how, you know. This is, this was like 20 some years ago. So I said, all right, kids, open up your cases. And all those woodwind players put it in their laps and they open up the case. And I re vividly remember looking down at the ground and seeing the top tenant of a clarinet rolling on the ground at my feet. And oh, I said, Oh man. no. <laughs> I said, right, everybody stop. Just close your case. And as soon as I said that, I heard crunch, crunch, crunch. Oh, oh it was bad. It oh. was bad. And I remember just like kind of making something up and talking to the kids and, and they stored their instruments. And then that day I got in my car, went straight to my wife and said, honey, tell me how to teach beginners. I have no earthly idea. <laughs> she goes, okay, <laughs> let's, let's tell them how to sit in a chair. Let's tell them where to put the case. And uh, that was a big learning experience for me. But, um, but yeah, I've been teaching sixth graders, um, beginning band now for 14 years and absolutely love it it's got to be an incredible experience beginners every day for every year and always new beginners every year it was great it's a little groundhog day-ish of course uh, but it's great because you could try something out and if it worked great and if it didn't change it next year sure and, and that was when i came here that was one of my missions was to see you know how far you could push a sixth grader and what the best approach is and because sixth grade is the genesis of every band program or beginning band rather it's the genesis of every band program yes. if you get that right it's going to echo all throughout so we got to make sure we get this right you got that right absolutely <laughs> it's vital it's uh when it's done well it's so awesome when it's done not so well it's so impactful uh, in later years oh yeah so right. it's very very pivotal very important moment let's start off by telling our listeners how you recruit your, your beginning band kids. Let's start with that recruiting process for you. <laughs> I can go on and on about this. I love, love recruiting. I love recruiting. <laughs> recruiting is, is my number one priority. Um, it's more important than MPA. It's more important than any concert. It's, it's, I've got to do that. And it's a two-step process. The, no, step number one is getting them in the door. And I think in order to do that, you have to be able to sell yourself. You have to be able to sell your program and sell your art. And I think a successful recruitment breaks down that wall of fear of someone trying something new and ignites a passion for performance and a sense of belonging with the kids. So that's what's so 
so vital. A lot of people think that when they go out to recruit, you're just showing them the instruments, but it's so much more than that. You've got to break down that wall of fear of trying something new uh, that the kids often have. Um, and then the other thing, of course, is just you got to keep them in the room. You got to have a positive classroom atmosphere. Uh, what you do in your band room affects recruitment because you can go out to the fifth grade class and you can like introduce them to the band and get them excited. And then they go home to mom and dad. We want mom and dad excited too. And one of the first things they're going to do is they're going to start talking in the community. Yep. They're going to pick up, if they know anyone that's in band, they're going to pick up that phone. They're going to send an email and say, hey, I can't think about band. What's that about? And I want that parent to automatically, before they finish the question, say, oh, you'll love it. You'll love it. He, he's nice. The, the classroom's fun. They, they're so successful. That's, that, those are the two main things that work hand in hand for recruitment. Um, and I think you know, there's a lot of people that have some different recruitment strategies. Uh, and I don't want to say one's right or one's wrong. I think you've got to find your own personality when it comes to recruitment, but you really do need to be able to sell yourself and to sell your art. Um, and, and, you know, be a good salesman, assume the sale. You go out, you talk to the kids. Hey, I, my name is Chris Ferguson. I'm your band director next year at Braxton Craven. Not, I, in case you would like to do band, oh no, I, I know you want to do band next year. Let me tell you about it. I'm really, really excited. You know, it's that approach, getting them excited. And kids feed off that energy. Sure. Uh, I know there's, there are bands that go out there and they have, they take their eighth graders and they play a couple of their MPA songs. And then they have a couple of eighth graders stand up and say some things to the kids. And I've seen that happen a few times. And I've watched the fifth graders when they do this kind of presentation. And it, it's so easy to tune out. So I think sure. just, be, again, being able to sell, sell what a recruitment for us looks like is, We'll get all, we'll go, I have five elementary schools that are currently recruited from. So I'll go out to an elementary school and we'll all collect in the space. All the fifth graders come to the gym, they'll come to the library or whatever. And then I'll start with a phrase like, like I said, welcome to Braxton Craven, or I'm excited to be your band director next year at Braxton Craven. Uh, I brought some of the instruments. Um, uh, I can even play them for you. And the kids are like, oh, yeah, you know, and I've got all the instruments there. So when they walk in, I create that atmosphere of excitement. They're looking at that flute, that trombone, that tuba. What is that tuba going on there? And, and you've got to engage those kids. You've got to make a connection. You don't want to just lecture at them. So, for example, when I start, am I going on too long? Just tell me. Oh, you're great. You, you just, you, you're fine. So, <laughs> so I'll go in. Uh, Introduce my kids and one of the, myself to the kids. And one of the first things I do is I say, um, before I, I tell you about our band program, let me ask you guys a question. Raise your hand if anyone's ever told you to do your homework. And now those kids are participating. They're like, oh, oh, and they start raising their hand. Good. You know, you've got a lot of teacher, people in your life, like your teachers that care about you and want to make sure that you're smart. Raise your hand if you've ever uh, been told to eat your vegetables. And kids raise their hand. Yeah, good. You have a lot of people in your life, like your parents, that they, they want to make sure you grow up to be big and strong. Raise your hand if you've ever been told to cut that Nintendo, iPad, PlayStation. We often go to bed right now. Everybody <laughs> raise their hand. And then I say, you've got a lot of adults making decisions for you in your life. Adults who love and care about you want to make sure you make the right decisions for you. And today is a day where you guys get to make a decision. Now, when adults make decisions, they make what's called responsible decisions, educated decisions. They get as much information about something as possible before they make a decision. And that's why I'm here. I'm here today to show you the instruments. I can play them for you. I can talk to you about our band program. And then at the end, you get to decide. You get to make an educated decision whether or not you want to give band a try next year. And at that point, those kids, a lot of those kids, when you see them first off, half of them, they don't want to do band. But sure. at that point, they're like, oh, Okay, well, let me see what that's all about. And then, I, I, again, I can go on and on about the presentation. My presentation lasts about 45 minutes. We'll talk about band. We'll, we'll talk about the trips with bands. We'll get them excited. We break down that wall of fear. Um, I do some magic tricks with them. Oh, nice. <laughs> I have kids. I used to, uh, I'm in the Genie Brass Quintet, and we used to do these big top circus shows where we uh -huh. go down, out to elementary schools. And we had a clown that would work with our brass quintet. Huh. And I just watched him engage with the kids, do some simple tricks, and I kind of picked those up and incorporated them with my routine. 
And I, I love it. I got the magic coloring book, the magic rope and such. And it's all focused on breaking down that wall of fear of trying something new. I'm a big, hairy, scary guy. And so if I go out there to a fifth grader and, and they start acting like you, they don't know what to think. But when I start interacting with them, asking them questions, doing some magic tricks, doing the balloon helicopter, it breaks down that wall of fear of trying something new. That's incredible. And then, and then when I go, uh, we've got a couple of videos of these. If, I'll share if I can. Um, but, you know, when I demonstrate the instruments, I get the kids involved in that. You know, it, it's one of the things I learned is you can't be interesting when you're doing this you have to be interested in what you're doing you know you don't sit up there get up in front of them and hold up a flute and say all right this is the flute we're going to blow air and the flute sounds like this instead i'll pick up the flute and then i'll say you know what a lot of people think we start on the flute with all these buttons called keys everybody say keys keys but we don't we just start off on the head joint and i hold up just the head joint okay and say look look right here look right here you know i'm, I'm interested in what I'm doing and it brings them in. Wow. Oh yeah. You know, and say, so for, before we move on, we want to make sure everybody is successful and let's define success for you. The very first day, here's what I want to teach you guys to do. We're going to blow air across this little, this little hole is called the tone hole. Watch what happens when I play. And I get the toot, right? I said, uh -huh. we make sure everyone gets a good toot before we move on. And kids go like, they love the word toot. But it's, you know, it's things like that. It's incorporating them in and talking to them on their level. You know, not, not putting myself or, or the program on a pedestal. Uh, you may be invited to join our band program. No, no, come on in. You know, You're we'll here. take everybody. You know, it's we're, not, we're not an elitist. If you want to do it, come on let's do it you know and we again breaking down that wall of fear making it fun um the trumpets we do mouthpiece buzz we we make sure we do all the trumpets or take the trumpet promise not to wake up mom and dad by playing reveille and i do a whole spiel with that uh the trombones um and we've seen you know a lot of road raps do this exact same thing um the trombone always asks for the strongest kid and i pick the smallest kind of shyest kid to come up there yeah and i'll pick the trombone up with my pinky and then i'll have that kid pick it up with their pinky so we dispel the myth that the trombone is heavy because it's huh. tall right yeah absolutely um and then before they walk off i hand that same kid a trumpet and then the kid notices and i say which one's heavier and they notice oh, well the trumpet's heavier than the trombone wow so we break down that fear and, and again a lot of people especially administration think well i'm going to give you five minutes to go out and demonstrate all the instruments for the kids. No, no, no. It's not about demonstrating instruments. It's about breaking down that wall of fear. Cause that's the, um, that's the biggest part of kids not trying it. It's just the fear of the unknown. I think. Exactly. Exactly. So anything you can do to make it fun, anything that you can do, you know, to be proactive and think, you know, what are the, some of the reasons why they may not play this instrument? Um, this year we had a record number. I, I changed one thing in my presentation. And we had a record number of clarinets sign up this year. Huh. Yeah, we had to call that. We need clarinets, clarinets. Okay, good. So, you know, part of my thing with the clarinets, we hold this up. I said, okay, who can raise your hand and tell me what this is? And the kid raises their hand and says, that's a clarinet. And I say, great, you know. Last year I was at the school and a kid raised their hand and said it was a plunger. And Ooh. the kids roar with laughter, you know, it's fun, fun, fun. <laughs> but I demonstrate the clarinet and I play some fun songs. But the one thing I did different this year was I said, hey, guys, you're going to take your instruments back and forth to school every day. Look at this tiny little box that the clarinet comes up. Can you imagine yourself taking this back and, from, back and forth to school? Sometimes people think instruments are heavy, but look at that box. Isn't that cute? Couldn't you put a sticker on there? Uh, and that's huh. it. That's all I did differently. And I had almost twice as many clarinets sign up. Oh, my gosh. Wow. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's being succinct and knowing... You know, you can't over talk like I'm doing right now. <laughs> oh, you're, this is great. This is... You can't over talk, but you just have to find that what's going to land with an 11 and a 12 year old. Sure. And I think that's a disconnect sometimes when you're teaching a lot of different age groups. And now all of a sudden you're in front of that age group. You know, and I bring in a lot of things too and try to connect with the kids. Going back to that introduction statement, we're talking about the switch, the we. Uh -huh. things like that well i guess the wii's pretty old now but the ipad you know that's connecting with kids on their level yeah you know that's what they're doing with I, and i bring my boys especially when they were younger i'd bring some of the toys along with me and just incorporate it in there you know and i say it, it doesn't matter if you guys have never played the only thing you've ever played in your life has been this and i hold up an xbox controller 
I've got all those kids in the palm of my hand. They're, they uh -huh. connect with that. They understand that. So it's connecting with that. But, you know, just that's just getting them in the door. And sure. we make them a part, feel a part of our program. Uh, we do the pass-off system, um, the president's own, uh, like principal's own. Yeah. Marrying the Marine Corps band program that a lot of band programs do. So um, two weeks ago, one of the things we did, we mailed out um, dog tags. Huh. Uh, to all our kids uh, as a way to welcome them into the program. And that's because of the COVID. Um, normally we have some nights where the kids come up and um, they sign up. And when they sign up, we give them a dog tag. They go back to school the next day. They're wearing their dog tag. They're so proud for their friends and their friends. Uh, I want a dog tag too. <laughs> and then we get an email and say, well, come on, join our team. There you go. So, you know, things like that, and, but that's getting them in the door, but keeping them in the door, it really is what you're doing with those sixth graders and later on seventh and eighth graders, because we can get the kid excited and go home and say, mom and dad, I want to do this, but then mom and dad's going to do their research, uh -huh. especially in this environment. And so if you've got a healthy program that you, their kid wants to be a part of, it's going to get them in that door. Well, I can tell you, I'm inspired right now. Can I sign up for your, uh, for your band next year? Come on, I'm you know inspired, what? man. If COVID lets us, we're going to take you to care ones too. There you go. So there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> do you uh, have the kids do mouthpiece testing at your sign-up night, or is it just how do they choose their instrument? How do you approach that? I'm going to be honest with you. That's it. I was here. That's gone. That's okay. <laughs> I'll probably get a lot of flack for this too. I don't mouthpiece test. Okay. I don't do the instrument petting zoo. I consider strongly doing that tonight or this year. Um, thank goodness I didn't. Right, <laughs> that would right. have been the best. Yes. Um, I know a lot of my colleagues that do that and they swear by it and more power to them. You know, what works for me doesn't necessarily work for someone else. Sure. But I've never done an instrument night like that. Huh. I've never done that. I, kids, when they sign up, you know, one of the things part of the presentation I tell them is, as I'm going through, I want them to have their number one heart's desire, but I also want them to have a good second and third choice because band is a lot like a cake. We need the right amount of each ingredient for us to have a cake, right? Well, we need the right amount of each instrument. But honestly, the, especially the past five years, whatever their number one choice is, I put it in. I put it in. And the numbers pretty much balance out. Really? Um, right. And, and this year, I mean, I needed, I think this year, the clarinet class, I mean, we couldn't fit them. We, it's a great problem to have. We couldn't fit them in our room. Oh my so gosh. we needed to move some of them over <laughs> to another instrument. We That's incredible. So, well, How many I've got clarinets did you have? <laughs> a whole bunch. A whole bunch? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, <laughs> but... But it's, but again, I have a small room, but for that, you know, and I contacted a few of them that had like trombone and trumpet as the second choice and said, hey, could you help us out? And they were like, sure. So we're trying to get some balance that way. Sure. I lost the original question. What was the original question? Oh, oh mouthpiece testing. Yeah, how, how yeah. do I choose your instruments? So, and I, I really beat myself up over this for a number of years <clears throat> because I would think, all right, well, <clears throat> am I holding kids back? because I'm not mouthpiece testing, you know, if, if I'm searching, you know, okay, I think you would really be, to be honest with you, every kid that had a really big burning desire to play a particular instrument when they started on there, they were successful. And if they weren't successful, odds are it was something I was doing wrong. Gotcha. And that's where, and later on we can go into this too, how um, I've got a lot of pass off systems um, and early indicators where if a kid is not successful on something, they get a lot of attention. They get a mountain of attention. Um, every now and then, um, especially earlier on as a teacher, if I realized uh, one of my trumpet players couldn't play more than two notes, I give them a lot of attention. I try to figure out, is, is it something wrong with their, are they just not practicing? Is it an embouchure issue? Is it a physical issue? If I can't find the answer, I'm lucky enough, I, I get to play with a lot of musicians in the area too. I'll reach out to them. Um, I've called the trumpet players with the Winston-Salem Symphony and said, I've got a kid that's doing this. I'll send them a video. What can I do to help them out? Sure. You know, discover what's holding them back. And I, I think the mouthpiece testing, it, that's the thing that I just keep coming back to is if a kid has, is really passionate about a particular instrument, then let them play it. Sure. Play Absolutely. It. Um, on a very rare occasion, like if there's a severe teardrop, 
embouchure um, of the flute, or um, I think one time I had a trumpet that we diagnosed had some kind of nerve damage along their jaw. Um, that okay, this isn't the right instrument for you, and we had that conversation and was able to do a switch at that point. But other than that, I won't. We've always started kids on their primary instrument and, and had success. And if it wasn't, if for whatever reason they weren't successful and I couldn't figure it out, it the the lack of success would have transferred to any particular instrument. Uh -huh. So. For those I don't really reasons I really don't do the instrument testing, and again, I might do it ten years from now, five years from now, and think, oh, why haven't I been doing this? But hey, if it works for you, and that's what works for you in your situation, that's what you got to do. It feels when I talk to my colleagues, it feels a lot of times like they use that as a way to justify instrumentation. Like, oh, see, you're not you're having a hard time on flute, so why don't you try this trombone? Oh, look how great you are on trombone, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. So, and I, I, I may be completely off the mark on that, but it's just my experience has been if a kids want and, and just realizing that kids grow and develop at different rates at different times. Sure, some of, some of my top players could barely get a sound the first couple months, huh. and they, they were at the bottom of the, of the class, and then all of a sudden boom, it clicks and then they take off and then they're at the top. So, and that's, that's just, I think the value of patience. Absolutely. That's incredible. How many kids do you usually start a year a whole on bunch. average? A whole bunch. A whole bunch. I'm blessed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've got, I don't like talking about numbers because yeah. it's when your numbers are high, they use, they look at other programs and say like, Oh, why, why aren't you? And when your numbers are low, they're like, Oh, well, you've got five kids less than last year. What are you doing wrong? Gotcha. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and the way to make a band director cringe is you start, start talking about numbers. <laughs> sure. Like, oh. I, but, I mean, we're lucky. I mean, we, we hover somewhere between 30 and 40% of the school. Okay. band. Um, yeah. One year we had right at a little over 50% of the school in band and we couldn't walk in here. Wow. Um, but you know, uh, but over 14 years, I'll say it goes up and it goes down. Fuck we have years where it's so huge, and then years where it, it's like, uh oh, what am I doing? Uh, am I doing something wrong? But it's bands not. It, it's not linear, I guess, in that sense. It, it just it goes up and down. So every year's different, so you can't just kick yourself thinking, well, I'm, I'm 30 kids less than than last year, um, because you know. You'll have your low years, you'll have high years. And um, yeah, I, I, that's, that's why I don't really like talking too much about numbers. Percentages are great, but yes. um, we are blessed here at Braxton Craven because we've got the, a, good, a good base there. I think it's important for all of us to hear, especially young folks and even us, um, I guess, more experienced folks too, that you know, it's, it's up and down years. It's, you're going to have some years that are lower than others and some years that are higher than others, and we shouldn't let it uh, – bother us when oh, yeah. it happens. Oh, that's that's yeah. even good for us older folks, I guess, more experienced folks yeah. to, to hear as well. Oh, we're up and down and it, and it never stops hurting. It's like, and we're you know transition from sixth grade to seventh grade and you hear a kid uh, isn't going to do band next year and it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. It's like, yes. but I did all this time. You just got to realize, okay, you know what? That's, that's them. That's their path. And yep. I've done all I can. That's all I can do. You know, True. that's all you can do. So, but yeah, that's, it's over the years we've been blessed with numbers, but it's definitely been high years and low years and we just have to get through. Just work with what you got, you know, and that's push right. on. That's right. What, what does, um, what does your curriculum look like in your middle school band room? And like, how did you decide that curriculum? How did you figure it out? And tell us about your curriculum. What all you teach, how you teach it. So what kind of pace you teach it at? Oh, wow. That's um, a big one. I know. Yeah, that's that's kind of the uh, that's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. Um, I don't use a method book. Okay, I got away from that a while ago. Um, I we do um, over the past fourteen years. What I've done is just kind of looked at what really works, and I want my kids constantly engaged. And I've written a series of warm-ups, technical studies, tuning exercises, sight reading, scales, manuscript exercises, assessment. I've got a, a ton of games that we play, pass-off systems that we use throughout the year. I'm trying to make everything as organic as possible so that kids are challenged and, and that they feel successful, okay? And that, that's my, my corona project for this time is to organize all this together in kind of a method book, but more of a series of downloads that not only I can use, but if anybody else wants to use them, they can. I emailed you a few of those okay. um, 
about five or 10 minutes ago that you can kind of check out and see, but um, I'm still working on the organization, but you know, we do, um, we do a winter concert, we do a spring concert, we do MPA um, and we do Carowinds uh, music festival. And um, we start the year teaching kids how to sit in a chair. We end the year usually playing grade two music wow. with the sixth graders. And that's really cool. Um, in, in the past, um, in the past, we've pushed them uh, and to see, and we played grade three music. Um, at the end of the year, I always ask my kids what their favorite pieces were. And I expect them to say the hardest and the fastest and the most impressive as band directors. Yeah. Never. Huh. Never. It's always some from the winter concert or maybe the easiest piece from the spring concert. And then, in, and I'll point out, like, well, look, we just played this, like, really fantastic grade three piece. You know, isn't that amazing? And they're like, yeah, but we had more fun playing this other stuff. Aww. And I said, well, why? You know, and they said, well, we can play it. And nice. I thought, uh, but you can play this other. Look, we took this to a festival. The judges loved you. You played all the right notes at the right time. Yeah, but we just have more fun playing this other piece. Wow. And that's when it started clicking in my head that you, you could get a sixth grader to play grade three, should you? Right. You know, I, I yeah. want them to have fun making music. And, and that's where, by sh and we could probably talk about this later, but that's where when I first started teaching, especially after the first half of the year, my focus in class was mainly on the concert music with a little bit of technique. Now it's shifted. My focus is on technique. And last five or 10 minutes, we do concert music. Huh. And we, pull out, we pull out stuff that challenges them, but it should come together real quick. You know, if you do the legwork, the prep work, uh -huh. and when you put a piece together, you know, I, I don't teach concepts through the concert music. I teach my concepts first, and then I just reestablish them through the concert music, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, so that's, that's one of the, the, as far as our curriculum goes, you know, we've got, we do sight before sound. Wait, we do sound before sight. That's what it is. <laughs> we get them playing before we start reading music. And that way we're always putting something new on and we're connecting with prior knowledge. All these things, these studies, these warm-ups, it's all organic as possible. So, for example, I've got four warm-ups that we do throughout the year. Um, the first warm-up basically focuses on the first three notes. And then the second note, the second warm-up looks almost the exact same, but about 25% of it is new material. So they don't feel overwhelmed and they don't feel defeated. Uh, we want to keep that momentum going. And one of the biggest things that we change in our program that's made the biggest impact is incorporating sight reading. And okay. um, uh, from the moment we start looking at the notes, um, we incorporate sight reading into it. Um, and in the beginning, we have like a, I think it's a three-step process. When we go to play the notes, we the students touch the note physically with their finger uh -huh. and then they say the letter name uh, c c c c rest 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 c c c c rest 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 and we do that every day for a week because we're training them to track their eyes have you sure. ever had a kid like you go to play music and you look at their eyes and they're looking all around the room oh yes oh yeah yeah so oh yes and the kids when i have a kid that does that even the first time boom even if they can play from memory they shouldn't because we're training them to track their eyes on the notes and every eyeball your eyeball has to touch every note and every rest as you play it and after a time you know that turns into tizzle while you play you know and then we just sight read every day we're sight reading just a line a day and it gets them used to reading music and the sight reading i have evolves um it's basically we take a, a week's worth of sight reading five sight readings and then we repeat it, but we just change a little bit of it, and it keeps growing in difficulty. So when we pull out a new piece of concert music, for example, um, we're able to uh, we're able to get through it a lot faster, and they don't hit that wall. So that's it, awesome. Yeah, that, the sight ring has been a big, big um, help for us. That the sight ring has made a big, and, and with sixth grade especially, we do a lot of pass off systems. Uh huh. Um, one of the ones I sent you is our very first one. It's the September progress report. Basically, they have to play the first five notes. That's it. If they play a note, they get a sticker. And kids love them, don't they? Stickers. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'll do right? anything for a sticker, right? Right. And, you know, so you got the first five notes, but the first two thing is one, I can get a sound. 
So even if they make, you know, a sound like a cow, they're going to get a sticker. So they get that success. They feel successful. And when they see it every day in their binder, you know, I, I may not be able to do what he can do beside me, but I can do that. That's successful. And the second one is articulation. It goes all over me that band directors, like a lot of, well, some band directors, they don't worry about articulation until halfway through the year. Uh-huh. It's like, what? <laughs> you know? A little too late there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and so the first thing to do is I can get a sound. The second thing to do is I can tongue four notes in a row without using their tummy, without clucking in their throat. You know, a perfect ta, 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 four in a row. And if they don't, they don't move on. Now, is and that if it's on been their a whole instrument? Week, or is that on the mouthpiece oh, uh, or the mouthpiece? Mouthpiece first, okay. Mouthpiece. Sorry to interrupt mouthpiece. you. There. I just want to ask that question. About no, no, no. yeah, yeah. You're right. That's a great question. Yeah, it's on the mouthpiece, and that's those things where going to MPA. One of the comments that we would always get is, "You know, keep working on your articulation. Keep working on your articulation." Well, then I thought, well, what is it about the articulation? You know, if you've got like 50 kids on stage, all 50 of them have to tongue the same way, and it all starts here. Uh-huh. So, like you know, that first pass off system, if they can't tongue four in a row and it's been a week, then we're working with them after school. We're working with them before school. We're doing, we're highlighting that, yeah. until they get it right. And so, if you get, if you, and the last sticker in that pass off system is proper tone. Mm-hmm. It takes that's the one that takes the longest to get, but all this can be done in like a couple of weeks. But if they've got tone and if they got their articulation down, I mean, that's over half your battle for the rest of the year, right? Absolutely. Everything else is going to fall in place. The next thing, next domino is going to be being able to read music. So, yeah. So would you say once the kids start on day one, how long is it before they touch a, a mouthpiece or anything like that? And then how long do you kind of stay on that mouthpiece? Once that first yeah. pass off chart is done, does that take about yeah. weeks kind yeah. of thing? Usually? Yeah. And every, situ- every situation is different. Stephanie, Stephanie Tomberlin in Union County. I love it. She says, because I was asking her a bunch of questions one time. She said, Chris, they're ready when they're ready. You know, when's the clarinet? When, what, what month do you cross your clarinets cross the break? Well, they're ready when they're ready. You know, some yeah. months, some years it's November, some years it's January when they're ready. But basically for the first few weeks for us, um, very first week, I kind of jot some notes down here. I'm looking down. Um, day one, I teach them how to sit in a chair and how to breathe like a musician. And that's what I tell them when I go out and recruit. Day one, it doesn't matter if you played before, I'm going to teach you how to breathe like a musician, how to sit in a chair. Day two, we teach them how to tongue without an instrument. So, and you probably do this too, because your kids yeah. are wildly successful, but tonguing without an instrument, they build up pressure behind their tongue, and I have my hand up in the air, and when I drop my hand, you're going to drop your tongue. <gasps> like that. And, and then we do four in a row. And um, then we also practice how to form an armature without the instrument. We'll free buzz with the brass. Uh, we do a three finger buzz and uh-huh. a one finger buzz. So like if you're playing the low note on brass, uh-huh. you want more lip to buzz, so three fingers, buzz that. Uh-huh. If it's a high note on brass, pinky buzz. So okay. if you want to play a high note, you say we'll do a pinky buzz for the high F and such. Uh, flutes, like that, clarinet, saxophone, clear right there we practice our armature there and then the first week we're also going over rules and expectations which isn't a lot and really importantly the instrument vocabulary that very first week okay yeah so uh, by the end of that week the kids can sit they know how to form an armature they know how the tongue they know all the parts of the instrument so the next week week two if i say for example when it's time to put together an instrument okay now let's put the neck pipe on your neck the kids know what the neck pipe is they're not learning two at the same time, you know, pick up the, the lower joint. Oh, that's the one with only one cork. Okay. You know, they've got that vocabulary down. Um, and so the, the second week is all about the, uh, second week's all about the, uh, getting a sound on your fundamental and brass move faster because it's a mouthpiece. They don't have to worry about a read yeah. uh, and flutes every, from the very first day, every day I tell the flutes, most of you will not get a sound. And it's normal and it's okay. There's a lot of normalizing going on. Oh, yeah. It's normal now to get a sound. It's normal to get a sound that sounds horrible. That's normal. Just give us time. So, yeah, uh, so yeah the second week, that's where we start getting the, um, that first sound. And the second week usually for us is after, I think, Labor Day, Memorial Day. So it's a four-day week. That sounds about right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So week two, we're, we're starting to get we, – week two is when we bring our instruments. We usually bring instruments on like that Thursday. Uh-huh. So they start to get those those crows and such. 
and we did that Thursday, Friday, and the kids who don't have an instrument by then feel left out, so they have the big long weekend to, to work with that. So second week, we start with the fundamentals, and then we start with those sticker pages on the third week and getting those first sounds, and then um, that first pass off. The very first month, September, my goal is to get those kids to be able to play five notes, four, tongue four in a row, get a proper tone and get a sound. And then usually about that third week, that's when we start our manuscript. Um, kids learn how to write music by hand. Uh -huh. um, they, they learn how to write, um, you know, they'll write, I'll put an example of it for you in there too. Um, they'll be able to write, like they'll draw bar lines, they'll draw their cleft. Um, they'll, when they draw the bar lines, that helps them understand exactly what a measure is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they'll draw their first notes. So they understand what a whole note is and, they, and what it looks like. So when I think about the third or fourth week, when we actually start reading music itself, then they've already got that experience with it. And the kids who aren't really successful when they first start to play, they're getting back manuscript grades that are 100. So if they feel like they're not successful yet playing, they still feel some success in the room because they've got the uh -huh. tactile written part yes. with the manuscript. So you're yeah. doing the written kind of theory stuff after they've already sort of making sounds on mouthpieces and stuff. Right, right. Because what happens with beginners is they wear out so fast. You know, if you have a 45 minute class and you have them play, they're only going to be able to play maybe 10, 20 minutes. Right. Yeah. So what do you do the other 20 minutes? Yell at them because they're not moving fast enough. <laughs> That's what I used to do. Right. <laughs> so we would start off with getting them, you know, when they first come in, okay, here's your theory. You know, let's, I put this on the board. Let's all do this together. And so they start off and it helps them come in in a calm fashion. Because just like all the other classrooms, we're going to come in, we're going to sit down, we're all, we have our binders out, the assignments on the board, let's start writing this, this stuff, and then going around giving them positives, and if a kid's coming in with a problem, they can work it out. And then after, you know, after about 10, 15 minutes with the theory, we put it up, okay, now you, the first row, go get your instruments, second row, go get your instruments, and we, and we do it like that. So you're actually teaching procedures too, right? To middle right. school kids, like how you come that. in the room, how you sit, how you mm -hmm. open your instrument case, all that stuff from like from ground level, mm -hmm. ground zero. Oh, yeah. And I'm telling you, it's it. That's another thing that we learned that organization with a, a larger group, especially every kid except the tubas um, and the baritones. Every kid comes in, they put their instrument to the right of the chair, and it has to be the right of the chair, and it Absolutely. has to be like so many inches. That's me. <laughs> and then when they get their instrument out, they take their case, and they put it to the right of the chair as well. Uh -huh. There's no storage room where kids can get in there and trip over each other and cause problems. They get yep. their instrument, they put it in the band room, and when we go to a festival or anything, they tell us not to bring it on stage, but we bring it on stage yeah. <laughs> if we can get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's raining at Carowinds or something like that. And there's never been an issue, Mary, because my kids know, like, okay, I'll just get it out. The trombones know to wait until the person beside them gets theirs out or to space it out ahead. Yeah. So it, it's procedures like that. I'm going on too much. No, Sorry. this is perfect. <laughs> this is stuff that if you were a young band director, get ready to go into it. Never thought about middle school band. This is the stuff oh, yeah. that we need to hear. Even for us veteran teachers too, uh, um, we need to hear this kind of stuff because it's, uh, it's vital for yeah. the success well, of middle school kids because it, it builds to seventh grade, eighth grade, high school and above. I mean, this is where it starts is beginning band. So yeah, that's right. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. How, uh, how do your classes meet every, is it every day, every other day, 50 minutes, 45 minutes? How, how's that schedule look for you? My, my classes, I'm really blessed, really blessed. We have classes, um, I see my kids every day, and my, my classes are grouped by instrument. So I have a saxophone class, I have a flute class, I have a couple trumpet classes, clarinet class, and I like it structured that way because you don't have half the room sitting and waiting while the other half of the room learns how to play. Right. Well, you're on seventh and eighth grade, they already know the basics and they could work more together. But sixth grade, if at all possible, that's just the best way to do it. We start flute, clarinet, saxophone, trumpet, and trombone. My tubas, we start tubas day one, sixth grade, but we have them play baritone and they read the tuba part. Okay, yeah. So that way they're not fighting the size and the weight of the instrument and they have success wow. and then about usually around first part of october we move them over to a tuba and we wait for them to be able to play the low notes that's incredible and uh, and, and it when they do that then the new challenge is 
playing another instrument, it's not playing another instrument and honing it and ringing music and buzzing the right way. It takes away some of the newness and they can build on that prior knowledge. Like, okay, I know what the first three notes should sound like. That's an, that's an amazing idea. But we, and it, we've done that for a number of years and it's worked really, really well. Um, and the, uh, we, we are baritone players. We usually don't switch trumpet to baritone. So they all start bass clef. My bass clarinets, if I have a large clarinet class, then we can start bass clarinets in there. But sometimes we, we have our bass, this year we had our bass clarinets start in the saxophone class, how large and number of saxophones. So they would play saxophone for class and when it was time for MPA music, they'd go grab a bass clarinet and they'd huh. play bass clarinet. And we just give them the baritone sax part. Nice. So they get comfortable with that. And, uh, and that cut down on our saxophone numbers, which was a nice blend too. Um, our percussionists are all after school. Uh, we don't do any percussion. We don't start percussion. In October, we have percussion auditions, which is also when we start 16th notes with the band. And so everyone learns the percussion audition together. And then after school, we do, um, or during class, we do percussion auditions. And then we pick usually about five kids that seem the most comfortable with it. Because a lot of times kids say they want to play percussion and they don't realize that as a percussionist, you're a solo instrument. Yes. You're that only kid back there playing the snare drum part. And that's a lot of pressure to put on an 11 year old, a 12 year old. Right. So we won't, and, but dad played percussion in high school. It's hard for dad to understand that. Yep. So that's a conversation I try to have both of the kids and the parents that I want your child to be successful. And our percussionists during class time play their, traditional instrument their their beginning instrument um and then they did percussion after school so when we have our first um uh, after school rehearsal with the band um and percussionists can already play their music so it's all about playing together at that point nice and uh we don't have a percussionist sitting back there waiting because they can already play their snare part and they're waiting on the rest of the band doing nothing and waste time so they're all our percussion they they serve double duty and by doing that i've learned that percussionists are better percussionists because they understand what a phrase is they understand what it's like to blend with an ensemble when they're inside that ensemble and instead of always being in the back of the ensemble it's harder to get that blend in there so there's a lot of advantages to starting that way seventh and eighth grade i think they have percussionists separate um, as a separate class but it's nice in sixth grade to give them that comfortable start because I, there's been so many times in the past where we used to start like 16 25 percussion but there's been so many times in the past where we lost great kids because it takes time to develop that rhythm. Right. And when you're in that spotlight, you lose kids because Absolutely. they're so uncomfortable. And this, this makes it a much more comfortable environment for the kids. I think it's very important um, at all times, but especially in the past five to 10 years, uh, kids wanting to be comfortable and needing to be successful. I feel like uh, that's become more of a focus recently. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Thank goodness, yes. <laughs> Thank uh, goodness. Absolutely. Because, you know, there, there's definitely a shift from the way that BAM was taught 20 or 30 years ago, I think, and the way it's taught now. You know, we're not developing music majors. Right. I mean, we want kids that are lifelong musicians that just enjoy making music. And it's built off of a mountain of success. And yeah. that's where, like going back to the structure of my class, we always have some kind of pass-off system going on. Um, and the, the way the pass off systems are, there's usually five or six elements. The first two are low hanging fruit, easy. You can get it and it gets the pump primed. Get that success early on. Right, right, right. So two, um, you know, two of them are super, super easy to build confidence, confidence builders. The, the middle part of them, the next two or three are, they're going to have to reach a little bit for, and one or two are really challenging for those kids that, that need that challenge. Gotcha. So we have those, those smaller, uh, we have October progress support, a winter uh, pass-off sheet, but we also have the overarching um, principal zone where kids can really take it to the max. You know, we've had, bragging on these kids, the kids do all the work. We've, we've got kids, trumpet players doing a two-octave concert F scale. Oh my gosh. By, like March. Wow. On smart music, pass off, it's all on smart music, pass off with that. And it's like, whoa, but you know, that, not every kid's going to be doing that. Right, right. And, but it gives them that vehicle that, the, to differentiate. So the ones that can do it and are able to do it, they can move right on ahead and rock on. Work at your own pace. Work at your own pace. That's, that's yeah. differentiation at its finest, isn't it? That's right. That's what, that's what it's about right there. So smart music has been a big, big plus. Use that quite a bit. 
Every day. Every day. Every day. Yeah. And the way we do it, we still use the classic version of smart music. Last few minutes of class, we have pass-offs on Wednesdays and Fridays. The kids come up in front of everybody in class and try their pass-off line, you know, line 90 variations. Sure. And I think to do that, and that's another thing I picked up along you know, these, these years, is you have to have a really comfortable classroom environment. There's no sarcasm. Right. There's no, if there's, if anyone, if there's even a thought of someone's laughing at another kid, I make them apologize right there on the spot. Uh huh. Um, Cause I've got to protect that. And if not, all you could tell a kid 180 days of school, you could tell them something positive 179 days. You, or if you're negative one day, that's the day they're going to remember. Right. You know? So it's, it's positive, positive, positive. And that's hard for, for all teachers, I think. And that's a good reminder because sometimes we can be our own worst critic and really give some, uh, to the point feedback and uh, we got to remember they're, they're young children. It's very impressionable. They're formative years. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah. yeah. And they're little mirrors, you know, whatever you, right. you're feeling they're they're going to shine it right back on you. So absolutely. If you're, if you're positive and pumped up, they'll, they'll do the same thing. And you mentioned your uh, pass off sheets. If folks were interested in, in, in seeing those, would you be willing to share those at all? Absolutely. They can either email me or send me a message. I'm working on a, a website. Okay. Uh, and that's part of the goal is to have on the website. We've got our band website, Braxton Craven, bcbandrocks.com. Sorry, bcbandrocks.com. Um, they can email me through that and I'll be glad to share. But okay. that's my goal this summer is to get uh, a website up where you can download any of these. I think that would be an incredible uh, tool to have access to yeah. just to see kind of what you're doing and to find fun but, stuff for uh, the kids to do. Yeah. And it's, it's that thing, it's going back to that thing where, you know, in the past I would give a, you know, I would give a band like a, a piece of music and it would be way out of the league, but I think, well, we got two months. So it gives, gives us something to do for two months. No, man, kids don't want to do that. No. No. <laughs> but these pass offs and even the sheet, you know, you may not agree with what I have on there as a pass off, but if you said like, give them each month, like, all right, these are eight things that you need to be able to pass on. Sure. That's. We, we got to look at what works for us and what works for the kids. Yeah, for your and I, kids. What, what yeah. works for you may not work for me and vice versa, but there has to be some sort of accountability there, I think. Yeah. And so those pass-offs are, are incredible, and I, it's, it's cool to see how folks structure things, but again, it all comes down to your kids and what yeah. they're able to do, right? Well, your kids and also how you approach it. You uh-huh. know, some uh, I, I've had several folks use this, and you know, I, I like stickers. I think kids love stickers. Oh, yeah. I use stickers all the time. And I've had band directors in the past say like, okay, well, if you get this right, I'll give you a sticker. You know, my approach is, guys, if you pass this off, I'm going to give you something that's more important, more more valuable than money. Kids love this. Do you know what it is? What is it? What is it? I'm going to give you a sticker. <laughs> and the kids are like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I want to be the first to get a sticker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, they're like, I want a sticker now. Absolutely. It just turns into that. It's, it, they still want to be kids, but they're growing up. Yeah. So that's part of my job is letting them know it's it's okay to be a kid. It's okay to want a sticker. That's right. Plus, I got cool stickers, man. Oh, I bet. I no a sticker, you know? Got to have those cool stickers. Totally, man. It's all about being a salesman, too, I think, in our business. It's uh, a people business, and you got to be a salesman or a salesperson. You, you have to sell yourself. You have yep. to sell your art. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, Chris, I tell you, this has been incredible. Uh, such good information here. Uh, your wealth of knowledge. If there's something you could offer a college student going to be a band director, first year, first couple year teacher, could, could you offer them any advice? Like what's the most important thing you think you could offer them to help them kind of progress through our, our, our job? Oh, man. That's Dude. a loaded question. I know it's very big, but. Woo, carve out the next hour. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, be, pro, be proactive. That's, you know, over the, my years, that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from this is being proactive, um, anticipate what kind of issues that you or your students may have, and then go, um, go beyond that. Um, just think ahead, buy a planning book. Where's my planning book? I've got one around here somewhere. The green planning book and use it. And I, I'm not a paperwork guy, uh-huh. but that planning book has just, if, even if it doesn't help you plan, it shows you where you were the year before right. and gives you a, a way to grow from the year before. I think that's, that's huge. Um, don't fall into the trap of the method book. Um, 
I talked about that earlier. Um, a lot of band directors, when they first start teaching, they think, and that was my advice when I started, some other band directors said, well, just stay one line ahead of your beginners um, in the method book, and that's all you need to do. No. Uh, no. <laughs> usually <coughs> usually the, <clears throat> the method book, it, it feels like the first two pages go by quick, and then they hit a wall, usually around line 17, 18. No, no, line 10 or 11, when they stop writing the note names in the middle of the notes. Yes. And then uh, you lose about a third of your kids. Then. Yep. And then you turn the page, and then you're usually on like 17, 18, and you hit music that doesn't move diatonically one note at a time, but now it's got skips. Yep. Now you lose another third of your kids, right? Because they're that's, like, I don't know what right. to do. And that's when you start telling yourself things like, well, these kids have to keep moving on. Um, so uh, you, you're just going to have to practice more, you know? Yeah. And then you hit line 25 where all of a sudden instead of one line, now it's two lines. It's the longest line. And then the kids think uh, you lose about the rest of your kids at that point. And you yep. think, well, there's something wrong with these kids. So I'm just going to focus on my seventh and eighth grade now. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't no, do that, dude. No, <laughs> so yeah, it, it is. So don't fall into the trap that you have to do a line a day out of the method. Um, most band directors I talk to get out of the method book around October. Um, and I think they're not using it. They're, they're following that line a day. Um, and every teaching situation is different. There could be others where it's more of a private lesson and you can do that. But I think it's just don't fall in that trap of like a line a day out of the method book there. Um, and, and that's, that's a big thing. You know, again, just answering your question there, what advice to give the future them? Think beyond your door. You know, it's not just what happens in the band room, but, you know, athletics does play a part in a student's life just uh -huh. as does. Yes. So take that in consideration, even if they don't take you in consideration or you don't think they're taking you in consideration. Just, right. it's ultimately about that kid. So yeah. find a way to make it work, you know, and in the end too, your administration, they can say what they will, but you're only in control of what's on your side of the door. Sure. So if it feels like you're not getting your way in, in all these other aspects, as long as you're controlling almost your side of the door, that's all it is. You know, take care of your own backyard, take care of the music, the music will take care of you, all that great stuff. So, so yeah, yeah, man, I, I dig, I dig. I dig Ben. Ben is awesome. Absolutely. And you, again, you're just a wealth of knowledge and you bring so much to our profession. And uh, it's been an honor to have you on here. And I, I look forward to sharing this episode with everybody. And um, I mean, I've been sitting here thinking about stuff like, oh, I should probably try that too, or I need to take that direction. Let's try that next year. Let's do that. So tons of great information, man. I really appreciate you joining us today. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you. Show me how to work this Zoom thing. That's right. That's this right. This is my first time doing a Zoom. Is this a meeting? A Zoom meeting? Is that what this uh, is? Yeah, like a, like a Zoom meeting. Yep, that's right. Right on, brother. So cool. I, I appreciate it a ton. All right. Thanks a bunch. Good talking to you. You too.